Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. Well, it is officially fall and I am loving the change in the season. Now, let me be perfectly clear. I love summer, right? After all, that's my birth month. My birth month is in the summer and it's my favorite season. But I must say, I do appreciate the change in seasons because it is a symbol that nothing stays the same, right? And although you might feel like there's no silver linings in your life at this moment, one thing you can rest assured on is that there will be change coming. In fact, it's probably happening as I speak to you. You just have to look for it, right? Because if the seasons change, if night changes today, if sunlight changes to moonlight, Everything changes. Everything changes. And that's what I love about the seasons because the seasons remind us that everything changes and nothing stays the same. So that has, that gives you something to look forward to that things are going to change. Whether we believe it or not, they're going to change. Whether we want it to or not, it's going to change. So, How's everybody doing today? I just hope everybody's doing good. Now today, I wanted to discuss the scripture in Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, Habakkuk. I think that's how you say it, Habakkuk. And the scripture I want to talk about is Habakkuk 2 two to four. And I'm going to go into the scripture. And of course, you know, I always read from the new King James and I may go back and forth between other, other versions of the scripture. But for today, for at least for this scripture reading, I'm going to be in the new King James version. And Habakkuk tells us in two, two to four, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And today's topic, the vision is for an appointed time. Have you ever been given a direction from God or more specifically been given a dream or a vision from God of your purpose and it has taken a period of time before you see it come to pass? 
Now, I know in previous shows, we've always spoke about waiting and what you should be doing to prepare while you wait, right? But today I want to speak specifically about something that you're waiting for, but you're not waiting to get an understanding of what your vision is. See, before we were talking about in the waiting, like you pray for something and you're waiting to see if it's going to come. This waiting now is waiting for the time to be ready for you to walk into your purpose, right? So have you ever had a time where God spoke to you and you knew exactly what you had to do, right? You weren't questioning what you should and shouldn't, when you should or shouldn't. You were actively seeking to fulfill the dream word spoken, but no matter what you did, nothing was happening. Matter of fact, the more you did, the more you tried to fulfill the dream, it was going absolutely nowhere. That's what I want to speak about today. The vision being for an appointed time. Now, do you know that you will not be able to walk into your appointed destiny until God has positioned it to be? You can strike out, but you'll fail, mainly because it's not your vision that needs to be fulfilled. See, we get a vision, God gives us a dream, God gives us an understanding of what our purpose is, and then we have our own interpretation of how it should go about, you know, being, how it should be put out there. But it's not your vision, it's God's vision, and he know where he needs you and when he needs you to fulfill the vision that he's given you. He does nothing before his time right? That's why it's so important that we keep with God's timing. And that's why it's so important to read, to stay connected with him because he can shift like the wind. And it, and it's not going to be a shift that, oh my gosh, now why are you changing the direction? We might feel that in the beginning, but you only feel that when you're not following the direction that he's given you because when it seems to us that God is changing the direction, it's because we were walking our own direction thinking we were walking his direction. And that's why when the shift and the change comes about, we're like, Oh, now what's happening? Everything's all over the place. No, it's had you been listening, you would have seen the change because he was already preparing you for the change and you would have just flowed right into it right? Because he does all things perfectly and completely. So he's not going to do something that's going to make you feel topsy-turvy, like your whole world is turned upside down, unless you're not following his directions, right? Because when you think about everyone in the Bible, okay, let's just take, for example, okay, let's take Esther, for example. Now, Esther was placed in the king's palace so that she could be there for when the time came for her to speak on behalf of her people, she would be positioned 
to be near the king and to have his ear to be able to speak to him. But when Esther was put in the king's palace, when she got the word from her uncle Mordecai that yes, it's time for you to get the king's ear because you need to let him know what's happening in order to save your people. Esther didn't feel like, oh, you're changing my whole world around. She did feel like, oh, I can't just walk into the king because he needs to summon me before I can speak to him. Yes, she was a little apprehensive on that side because she didn't want to step out of place because she knew the order of things in the king's house. But it didn't, it didn't affect her. Like, oh, what do you mean I have to go talk to the king? This wasn't part of the plan. I wasn't supposed to be, I was supposed to just be here in the king's palace just to be pretty, just to be. No, she knew she was just afraid of how she was going to get to speak to him. But of course, God would make it so that everything would flow the way he needed it to flow. And she did get the king's ear and she did what she needed to do. But now, when you take Jonah, for instance, when you think of Jonah and he was given the word to go to Nineveh and tell the people the word from God, and he went the opposite direction, he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing. God turned his world upside down until he got him to do what he needed him to do. So see, when you know you're positioned for what God has for you to do, when you're flowing the way he wants you to flow, it may in the, when you get that initial, oh, okay, it's time for me to do, you might be a little afraid because you might think, oh, I can't, but you'll just flow into it because you've been following everything he's given you anyway. It's only when it's only when we get a word and it feels like it's turning our whole world upside down. We have to stop and think, is it turning our world upside down because we were doing what we felt the vision was and not really following what God said the vision was? We didn't wait for him to bring the vision. We wanted to create the vision on our own because we had a little bit of, you know, understanding. So we were like, oh, this is the way we're going to do it instead of doing it God's way. Maybe that's why we feel so turned upside down. It's just something to think about. Because when you step into what he's done or what he's created you to be, it'll happen. And not only will it happen, but it'll be effortless, right? Everything will just suddenly begin to fall into place and you'll just sit back in awe and say, wow. And I was, I was running on this treadmill on this hamster wheel, trying to get this to happen and nothing was happening because it wasn't your vision. You didn't know the steps or where you needed to be. You knew you had to do something, but you didn't know where you had to do it. You didn't know how you had to do it. So that's why it's always best in the wait when we're waiting for God's direction for our next step to just be patient and let him do what he has to do. Because while you're waiting 
And we always say in the waiting is the preparation. And sometimes it's not the preparation that you're not ready. Sometimes it is that you're not ready. Let me correct that. Sometimes it is that you're not ready. But if you know you've been preparing and it still seems like he's not opening it yet for you, sometimes it's that he has to line others up. Because remember, we're all connected to one another. So that's why it's so important for you to stay on point with you being ready with yourself because then you're holding up somebody else's vision if they're attached to yours or if you play one little intricate part in it. And let's go, we're going to look at two. We're going to look at two people, their stories to show you how the vision is for an appointed time and for the time that God wants it to take place. The first one we're going to look at is David. You know, David is my favorite. He's my heart. Although I always call myself Jonette, Jonah's sister, David is my heart, right? So we're going to take a look at David for an example. And then we're going to take a look at Joseph, right? So when we take a look at David, we see that he was anointed to be king right and now when David got that anointing that he was going to be king do you know that he was approximately 15 years old right the prophet Samuel was given a directive from God to anoint David to be the successor of Saul and that was because Saul had disobeyed what the Lord had told him so the Lord wanted nothing to do with him and when by moving Saul out of the way, he was making way for David to be king, right? So here it was, David was 15 years old and he was anointed that he was going to be king. David didn't have a clue as to what that even meant. Nothing, right? But he knew that he had love for the Lord in his heart and he just kept following everything that God had set before him but when it came to him tending to the sheep he was honing in his skills about how to lead people when it came to with his battle with Goliath he was learning how his strength and faith and belief in God could give him everything that he needed to do to conquer a giant or giants that would come in his life later on as well. So there were times in David's life that were learning periods for him, although he didn't even know it was learning periods for him. But in the end, God knew what he had planned for David. And you see, even in the story, there were so many times where David could have killed Saul. Because if you remember the story, Saul was actually trying to kill David because the evil spirit had come upon Saul because he knew David was going to take his place, that he actually wanted to get rid of him. But God never allowed David to be killed, number one, and he never allowed when David was given the opportunity for David to kill Saul. David knew that he now being anointed king and you know that the king that is presently sitting on the throne is trying to kill you 
in today's world, they would go and they would kill him. They would kill the king and say, oh, I'm supposed to be king anyway. Let me just sit there. David knew, touch not God's anointed. Even though Saul was trying to kill him, he knew I'm not going to touch him. God will deal with everything happening with him. So even David didn't try to thrust himself into the vision that was given to him from God. He knew he had to wait and in the right time, he would take the throne. You can find that story of David in 1 Samuel, starting with chapter 16. Now I want to move to Joseph. And Joseph's story can be found in Genesis 37. Now with Joseph, Joseph was also given a vision, a dream from God that he was going to rule over his brothers, right? But even though he was given that dream, he knew he couldn't do anything to make that dream come to pass. He just knew that it was going to happen for him. But see, Joseph was a little bit more cocky with it than David was with his. David was a little more humble with what the vision, with the vision that God had given him. Joseph went and bragged to his brothers about what he saw and what he was going to do and which led him into many perils because once he told his brothers that they weren't having any of it because they didn't like him to begin with because he was the favorite of the father. But that's another story. But he went through so many hardships in his life before he got to stand in the vision that God had given him. We know he was in the pit. Then he was a slit. No, he was in the pit. He was sold into slavery by his brothers. Then he was in jail. But see, the whole thing with everything, we everyone wants to focus about, oh, what Joseph, you know, had to endure. He was in a pit. He was a slave. He was in jail. But do you know that all that time, it was just preparing what God had already set up? Like with David, and with Joseph, God was preparing the way for them to step into what he had called them to do. Saul had to die before David could take the throne. The king needed to have dreams to be interpreted by Joseph before Joseph could get out of jail and walk into what his purpose was. Had the king not started having dreams, then there would be no need for Joseph. But God sets everything up in time for when he needs it to happen. And that brings me back to my original person that I was talking about, Jonah. Now, I know I said I was only going to touch upon two, but Jonah's story is so unique as well. Now, we know Jonah was defiant. He was one that when he was given the directive of what he was going to do, he went and did the exact opposite. He went and was like, I'm not doing this because I don't want the people to be saved by the Lord and I'm not giving them the message. So he went out of his way for the vision not to take place, for the, for the word that was put out there not to come to pass. But in that story, with Jonah getting on that boat to go to Tarshish instead of Nineveh, 
The storm raged. The people was wondering what was happening. They ended up finding out Jonah had did something to God, against God. They threw him overboard. A whale scooped him up. He was in the belly of the whale for three days. Well, we don't know it was a whale. He was in the belly of a giant fish for three days. Even there, when the when he finally prayed and told God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, and God had the fish vomit him up on dry land. When God set Jonah, when Jonah finally got to his feet and decided, I'm going to follow, do you know what would have been three days journey for Jonah to get to Nineveh? He got there in one day. So see, that goes to show you two things, which we can revisit later on. That time means nothing to God. Whereas we see that, oh, he was on the ship. And then, oh, he was in the belly of the whale. And then now he's talking to the people in Nineveh. Time passed in all that that Jonah was doing when he was running the opposite direction. But do you know that when he finally said, okay, God, I'll do it. He was already there when God needed him to do it because that message that Jonah had for the people had to be given to them at a certain time. And God made sure that the word got to them at that appointed time, regardless of what Jonah did. He was there on time to give the message to the people because the people were actually They had been warned from before about what God had told them about their wicked ways, but they still continued to do what they were doing. But when Jonah got there and gave them the message, they quickly, the king quickly turned the whole city around. They repented. They started, you know, with the sackcloth and ashes. Because when they heard that word on that day, when Jonah got there, they knew exactly what it meant. And see, that's what I'm talking about with the vision being for an appointed time. It doesn't matter if you take your detours, as Jonah did. He created his own detours. And when you take detours that you're not even know, when you don't even realize that you're doing the detours, when you do follow and obey and you're, and you're eagerly anticipating the time when, ooh, it's going to come to pass. God said, I'm going to do this, this, and this, but you don't see it. When you get cocky about it and like, and you act like, oh, I already know I'm doing this because I know who I am. All those things, all those things, it doesn't matter. When you look at it at the end, it doesn't matter because that's in our timing. And like the Bible said, to God, a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. He, it doesn't matter to him. When he needs it to be done, it will be done. End of story. Because it's his vision. It's his vision, not ours. We're just the tools, the vessels that he's using to put the vision out there, to get the vision across, to fulfill his ultimate purpose. So that gives you something to think about. The vision is for an appointed time. And no matter what you do, you can't rush it. No matter what you do, you can't stop it because it's going to happen. 
And with that, I say it's time for us to take a music break. You have been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, What Brooklyn Sounds Like. What you've done How could you fall so far You should be ashamed of yourself So I was ashamed of myself The lies I believed They got some roots that run deep I let them take a hold of my life I let them take control of my life Standing in your presence, Lord I can feel you digging all the roots up I feel you healing all my wounds up All I can say is hallelujah too broken now i see you were breaking new ground inside of me standing in your presence lord i can feel you digging all my roots up i feel you healing all my wounds up all i can say is Turn to anyone around you. Don't forget to look up. I know it seems like the rain just won't end. Yeah. Let me reassure you that it will. Try. 
to be strong. Try to be strong and keep it all in. Inside. But inside you wish someone knew what you feel. Let me remind you. Let me remind you. Yeah. We have a friend. He's the best friend. In Jesus. Yeah. And when we need him. Just when we need him. We lift our hands and say.
tomorrow will bring, but I know you are with me. I do not know what the future will hold, but you'll never forsake me. Nobody Now I know 
You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. It is now time for the part of the show that we call Op-Ed. And in today's Op-Ed, I'd like to bring about a, well, bring up a topic that I'm sure most of you have probably heard about in the news lately, but I hadn't really been following it. And it has to do with Rikers Island. Now we know there have been 10 or more deaths at Rikers Island in the recent months that's passed. And what is going on there? What is really going on? And you know, and I have to fault myself as well because me and I'm sure plenty of others, we don't pay attention to that part of society because it doesn't affect us directly. Unless we have someone that is incarcerated, 
we don't think about the incarcerated, right? I mean, I don't think about them. I don't think about, you know, what are their conditions or are they being treated right? See, in my mind, and I'm sure in a lot of people's minds, if you break the law and you can't do what society wants you to do, then yes, you should be punished. Okay, fine. You're in jail. So what do you want me to do? You broke the law. It's your fault, right? All well and good for those who have had a trial by jury and who have been con- who have been convicted by the evidence. But these people in Rikers Island, now I thought the people in Rikers Island were already convicted and was just serving out their prison sentence in jail. These people in Rikers Island are waiting to be, to have a pre-trial. So that's not even a trial. And if I understand correctly what a pre-trial is, that means that they're just waiting to see a judge to see what their sentence is going to be so that they can then be put on trial. If I'm not mistaken, that's crazy. And there are people that have been in here for months being held and they just keep sending more and more and more. And the thing about it is these people that are being held, they don't know when they're going to see a judge. They don't know when they're going to see their lawyers because a lot of them are poor people. So they don't even have the funds for a lawyer. They don't know. Some of them haven't been convicted of a crime. Like I said, some of them are in their armed parole violations But see, I don't want to go to the parole violations part yet. I just want to talk about the ones who have been picked up, haven't had a trial, haven't had a pretrial to go before a court for a hearing to say whatever, why they were even there or even the reason why they were picked up, if it's going to stand and now they now are going to be charged and then put on trial. There's no clean, there's no clean facilities because it's overcrowded A lot of them are not even in cells. They're sharing rooms. They're closed, no clothes, filth and garbage all over the the place. It's just, it's disgusting from what I'm hearing and from what um, Congress people are saying that have visited the facility. So now they want to have... Well, Governor Hochul, she's supposed to sign a bill that's called the less is more, meaning that for those who missed a curfew or didn't get, you know, missed a curfew for being inside, I guess they were on house arrest. And for those who might have missed an appointment with their parole officers, they don't, they've been thrown in there as well. So now you have people who haven't been convicted being locked up with people who have been convicted but now are being locked up because they broke a rule or something that they should have followed. But with all this, I say, and with me, like I said, not paying attention, not really following because it doesn't affect me directly. And correction, the corrections department is saying that they're understaffed, but everybody's saying it's not that they're understaffed. It's just that there's too many people in the facility. They're just housing them like cattle, like chickens in a coop. They're just housing people. 
And now they're thinking, okay, now the way to remedy it is to release the people. Well, let the people go because you have too many people in there. But that's not really an answer either. And I guess that's what I was trying to allude. I was trying to get to that part. Is it right to just release the people now? And I'm not saying that they should be held there and be treated less than and, you know, they didn't commit any crimes. You know, they're just being held. But rather than just keep piling people up into a space, why? My question is, why aren't they processing these people for whatever infraction they're being picked up for. Why are they just being picked up and tossed into Rikers Island? I, I That's the part I don't understand. Where is it in our judicial system here in New York that there's a breakdown between when you arrest someone and when they get to see a judge? And I understand COVID has put a lot of things on hold, but from what I'm understanding from this story that I heard, it has nothing to do with COVID. It's just gotten worse and gotten exposed because of COVID, because of the people dying, because of the people catching COVID in there. It was always like this. So I'm like, why Why are people treated like this before they've even been placed before a judge? So that's just something that I wanted to bring up in case those of you that you know, were like me, didn't really pay attention to what was going on in our prison system. And I think it's something that needs to be looked at. Like, why is this happening to people? Just like when we look at the homeless situation, why is that happening? What is really going on that we're so caught up in our everyday that we can't understand or we only see it when it comes to a point where it's a crisis why aren't these issues addressed prior to that and that's something I want us to think about and we know we have elections coming up in November it's that time of the year again and should we really be looking at the people that are going to ask us for their vote should we really be looking at what are you really planning on doing with all these social issues that are just being swept under the rug until when you look at the rug, it looks like there's a mountain under it because you just keep sweeping stuff under it. Something to think about. And that's op-ed. So now I don't want us to forget about our word of the month, which is adapt. And I guess I'm I'm really walking in that word this month, adapt. And I hope all of you are as well. And our promise for this week, I had a great promise for us for this week. Our promise for this week is going to be coming from Hebrews 10, 35 to 36. And now this is the new King, this is the new international version, NIV. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. That's our promise for the week. And I want to tell everyone to be safe. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. COVID is still out there. Wear your mask. Wash your hands social distance.
And until God brings us together again next week, peace. I found a well that I'll forever drink Jesus Christ the King Forever I will worship at His feet Here's my offering
Thank you. 